Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. We are going to be headed back into the book of Acts. We've been working our way through Acts. We took a break there in June, but with this series, um, it's called Reset, Living on Mission. We're going to actually follow Paul as, his, as he journeys, and this guy, is, as we know, he, he has a, a heart for mission, and there's a contagiousness about it that we hope will, will just spark our passion as well as we go. Also, we're going to be traveling through, following him through the Mediterranean world. Has anyone, has it a, how, bucket list? Mediterranean cruise for anybody? All right, you can mark it off your list this month. We're going to be doing it um, kind of, yeah, via Paul, but yeah, Kevin saved a lot of money right there. But, uh, but excited to jump in with him. Now, when you think about Paul, as, as he would look back over his life, huge regret part of his life in how it started. And what we're going to watch is God arrest, uh, like stop him on the path that was leading to regret and, and turn him around and he takes off in a direction that is glorifying to God and, and we'll hear well done good and faithful servant as a result. I was thinking about regret and this week heard Daniel Pink debriefing on his book The Power of Regret. He takes an interesting approach that regret is actually something that we all have over something especially as Christians, any time that we would sin, we would regret that before God. But it actually can be something that works for us in that, in that moment of regret, it clarifies what we value and it fuels us to do better and, and to change. And as I was thinking about that I, and thinking about Independence Day, I was remembering the book, The Red Badge of Courage. Has anyone read that going through school? Back in the day, it was something we, we read. and Basically, it's about a young soldier who joined the, the army as a noble cause to be a valiant, courageous soldier and, and you know, go fight. But it, when the first battle erupts, this young soldier panics and shoots aimlessly into the air and then just takes off running. The cowards run into the woods and hides out until another battle erupts and he makes his way back. And the story is we, we share with him the emotional anguish of regret and the coward path. But then his journey of, of processing that with other soldiers, trying to hide his failure, but eventually to the end of the, the story, he becomes the valiant soldier he wishes he was. And he's actually the, leading the unit and he's carrying the flag. And as I thought about Paul's life and even our lives, we look back, we have regret, but God can redeem those regrets. And we're going to watch him redeem Paul's big regret where it actually becomes fuel for his life mission and propels him. It's a moment that uh, Paul, he was moving 120 miles an hour down the wrong path. Something happens. He spends three days AWOL, disappears, and then comes out of those three days moving 120 miles an hour down the right path. The question is, Paul, what happened? And he could respond, I saw something. I saw something that changed everything. And it's something we need to see as well. And we see it in Acts chapter 9. Beginning verse 1. We'll walk through the text and then we'll, we'll make three observations, things that Paul saw that, that we see as well and can propel us in our, our life mission. Verse 1 says, Meanwhile, 
Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And so you just feel the venom. He, chapter 8, remember, is, uh, documents Philip, be, but really the church being scattered because of persecution. Chapter 7, Saul was one of the guys that was there when Stephen was, was uh, martyred. And so we're coming out of that, and he is fired up to stop Christians and to arrest them. It says he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. Damascus was 135 miles north of Jerusalem, a six-day journey. This is how fired up he is to put an end to this movement. It says, so that if any, if he found any Christians there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. But as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I always wondered, why does he ask who he is if he knows it's the Lord? But that's just a general term for Lord or master, not literally. What did not understand this was Jesus. And the Lord replies, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city. You might circle in your text, get up and go. We'll, we'll come back to that. Get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless as they heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. You can imagine how disorienting that would be. So they led him by hand into Damascus. You picture him, he's coming all powerful, but now it's like he can't even see and he's kind of tentatively walking, being led by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, which, by the way, that street is still there in the city. And Damascus, to give you the visual, it's like an oasis town on the edge of the desert of Arabia. So it's like the last stop there before you, you go into the desert. We know Paul will go into that desert to spend some time with the Lord. And, but uh, he said, hey, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. What was Paul doing those three days that he's blind? <laughs> he's not eating, he's not drinking, and he's praying. I'm guessing he's praying Psalm 32, Psalm 51, prayers of repentance, and just asking God for help. God hears his prayer. It says in, in a vision, he had been sent. He has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. And I love this next part. It's just Ananias being real. He's like, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the, high pri the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, might circle that word, go, the action, bold move, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again, 
he got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained, regained his strength. So I thought about that. It, the order of that shocked me. If I had been without food and drink for three days, I would have gotten up and gone to the fridge, grabbed a bagel or something. But he's got up the order of, authority, order of uh, importance or priority in his life was to be baptized. And, uh, but then he regains his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And notice right at, at once he starts to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished, and they asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept watch at the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall, which is, I guess, something you could do back then. But uh, in fitting, here, here Paul goes, lowered and hits the ground, and he's off. And what happens next? The adventure is just beginning. You have to come back next week to find out. It's good. But, uh, but as for today, what is it that, that the Lord would have us see in this moment? And this week, that was the prayer, really, that I was praying. Lord, what do you want us to see from you recorded this for us, and for us to apply to our lives, what, what is it? And there were three observations that really emerged that help us um, fuel our life mission and help us live on mission. The first is this, to see our king powerful and patient. The scene opens, and who are we watching? It's Paul, and man, this guy is like, he's got the power. He, he's Bearing, I picture one of those big, huge summer thunderstorms, the dark cloud that's rolling down the road towards Damascus. And you're not stopping this storm. It's coming. Persecution's coming. He's got the authority, letters from the high priest to, to uh, arrest Christians. Here comes Paul with all his power, with all his authority behind him. He's in control, right? <laughs> in an instant, he's on his face, sight gone. Caravan stops. Why? And I think it's interesting. It's not the Lord doesn't bend some laws of nature to, to stop this. The Lord himself shows up. And all he has to do is show up. Give Paul a little glimpse of his glory. Boom. His sight's gone. And he's worshiping. What is it God wants us to see from this text? I think so important. And throughout the rest of the text, you just see the one who is in control, the one who is all-powerful, sovereign over all, is our Lord, the risen Christ. Paul, we'd ask, what happened to you? And this is a story that would stick. He, he would tell this story again in Acts 22 to the people in Jerusalem. He'd tell it again to Acts 26 to the king Agrippa. Um, it stuck why he saw the risen Christ change to everything. And in our own lives, just that reminder that it's so important that we remember the one we serve, as Kent mentioned, he is the one with all authority who has called us. And he is all-powerful. Love this picture where he is powerful, over sovereign over human rulers. He's sovereign over his church, providing, protecting. He's sovereign over every atom of our existence. He can hit, hit our eyesight and boom, put us in three days of 
social media fast. <laughs> or for those of us who have been through a, a physical time, often he speaks in those moments, but he's sovereign in the timing of that. Three days up and boom, he knows his servant has what he needs and he's, he's off to the next thing. See our king, powerful in his sovereignty, absolute in his power. And it moves us to worship, but also to faithful service. But there's something else that I believe God wants us to see in this that Paul saw, and he, he communicates to Timothy later in his life. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, he's writing to his young apprentice, and he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. So he's referring back to his big regret. But he says, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with faith, the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. And so what did Paul see in that moment? It was the immense patience of our king. And as he reflected back on that moment, sometimes we look at the Damascus Road moment as like punishment. That wasn't punishment. God was showing up to save his soul, but more to enlist him in a work of uh, <laughs> giving him an opportunity to serve the king of kings in a way that would be foundational to what God was doing in his redemptive work, like prime position. And, and like, <laughs> who does this? Our king who is immense in his patience. And isn't that awesome to think about? As, and really, his story is our story. As you think about your own life, none of us deserve his grace to be saved. But he's done even more than that given us salvation through faith in Christ, but then he's given us a, an opportunity to serve him, you know? And every one of us, every member of his body, uh, Ephesians 2.10 2, says, each of us, we are his masterpiece creating in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's already prepared for you to do. You just, we just get to wake up and, and join him in doing that. To see our king, all-powerful, but immense in patience, fuels us, to serve him well. And then the second observation, what is it God wants us to see that fuels life mission is to see our church as the body of Christ. Two times in this text when he speaks to Saul, he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He says, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And I, I believe it was in this moment, just like the, the disequilibrium that Paul was experiencing, the glory that he was experiencing, that this truth just, it's almost like it, it fused into his soul and would shape how he saw ministry from then on. And it was this, what I do, and we'll put this on the screen, what I do to a disciple of the Lord, I do to the Lord. What we do to a disciple of the Lord, we do to the Lord. Therefore, I want to lay down my life for you, if necessary. I want to serve you. I want to help you. I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you, was Paul's mindset, and it kept him in the game. He saw our church, the church, and each member of the church as the body of Christ. How do we stay in the game serving Christ? This is one of those. As we 
show up at church, it's not just like, what can I get? It's, I'm here to bless somebody because what I do for them, I do for him, you know? And it's worship and it's, it's, uh, it's our passion to thank him for what he's done. And then the third observation we see out of this moment is that, that fuels our life mission is to see bold action as our reflex to the king's command. To see bold action as really our fitting response or our mode of operation or our default mode as we go out and do life. You see it all throughout the text. I mentioned in verse 6 where what's God called Paul to do once he's, he's uh, blinded? He's like, now get up and go into the city and you'll receive your next step. And then same with Ananias. He's like, Ananias, go. Ananias is like, but, 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 but. Gives an excuse. And then what's God say to him next? Go. <laughs> like, th- th- when God says, when the king says go, what is our fitting response? Bold action, go. Now, what, is, what does God give us when he says go? And I love the way he says it here in verse 6. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Does God give us, okay, he says take a step, and then here's, what I'm gonna, here's what's going to happen. Phase 1, phase 2, phase 3, phase 4 of your where, where you're going. Does he give us the, the rest of the story? No. <laughs> I wish he did. It would be, but it, it grows our faith. But he says, all right, here's your next step. Take that one. And when you take that step, you'll find out what you need to do next. Take the next one. Boom, boom, boom. And what do we find after following our king? He's got it. He's faithful. It grows our faith, but he is faithful. And um, so it moves us, or the calling for us is to be bold. Bold action will mark Paul's life mission um, for the rest of his journey, won't it? We'll, throughout the rest of this, uh, watching him, it's just bold move, bold move, bold move in the face of risk. Born of faith. We're not called to be tentative, timid, fearful, risk adverse. We're called to go. We're ambassadors of the king. Here for a temporary time, here with a message that the world needs. If, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors of heaven, he says, and God is making his appeal through us. We're, there's not a plan B. We are plan A. No plan B. And so he said, go. Be bold. Today is the day of salvation. Bold action is our fitting response. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do next. So the question today, what's the next step that God is calling you to do? Or what's your bold move that, that he's put on your heart? Love, uh, yeah, Jeff and Sandy sharing their story of, it's how he works, isn't it? You're having devotions, and here comes a, a calling. Put somebody on your mind to call. Just reach out to them. Ah, it'll be weird. It'll be awkward. No, bold move. Just do it. Just go. Bold move. Get up and go. Maybe it's to be baptized. You know, you haven't, you've come to faith in Christ, but you haven't been baptized yet. He didn't even eat. Been three days without food. And first move. Bold move. Encourage you. Make that step. Even this week. Maybe it's to serve in a certain ministry and just you're being nudged to, to do that and I encourage you, make that move, take that step. Maybe it's a, a unique opportunity that God's put before you, your gifts and abilities, and you realize it's, or it might mean a vocation change. Seeing our team from, you guys are, this, this group of students, these are Jesse's friends. If you guys don't know, but it's so neat seeing all of them seeking to follow Christ and but I think about, you guys represent that college age of, it can be scary, and you're trying to figure out, Lord, where do you want me in? 
and uh, praying over that. But then, man, when he shows you that next step, go for it. Bold move. Maybe a witness opportunity, a chance to share your story. I love the way Paul takes this story of what happened to him on the road to Damascus, and he keeps sharing it. <laughs> this is what I saw. This is what God did in my life. And he's sharing it in Jerusalem, Acts 22, Acts 26. Great story. You've got to read that with the king. It's, it's good. We don't have time today, but sharing the story. Bold moves. Daniel Pink, as he wrote that book, The Power of Regret, um, started it by going into research mode, and he you know, let the world know, hey, send me your regrets, all his contacts, send me your regrets, and they came in from all around the world. He read the first 15,000 regrets that, that people were giving him. As he did, four buckets of regret emerged. The first was foundational regrets. If only I had done the work, stayed in school, invested when I was young, those types of things. The second was moral regrets. If only I had done the right thing, refused to to cheat or um, be unfaithful to my spouse, those types of things. The third was connection regrets. So, um, and these would be the relational regrets. If only I had reached out to that person when I, to maybe restore a relationship or often around the time somebody dies and, you know, you wish you would have um, restored that family relationship or whatever it was. And then the fourth was boldness regrets. If only I had taken the chance. What caught my attention was when he mentioned the category that had the most regrets. You know what it was? It was the boldness category. If only I had taken the chance. If only I had gone for it. And then I think about what God calls us to through, and through this example of Paul, but throughout his word of to be bold. You know, bold action. Um, go for it when the king says go. So I think about this moment in Paul's life, what a treasure for him, the king showing up and, and uh, commissioning him into a service. I think what a treasure for us too, though, as followers of Christ, that we can see what Paul saw and allow what he saw to, to fuel us in our life mission. What's going to keep us going um, when it gets tough? Three things that we must see. First, to see the king, to remember his power, he's in control, sovereign, absolute. But remember his immense patience with us and uh, to, to serve him out of love and gratitude. And then second, to, to see his, our church as his body as we serve one another and do life together. And then to, third, to see the way the kingdom is built, the kingdom of God is built, is the bold moves, born of courageous faith of his people. Just following the king when he says, go, taking that next step. And as we do, we accomplish what, what he's called us to accomplish. And my hope and prayer is that when you get to your final day, that you hear him say, well done. And I pray this, this uh, text today, but also this entire series, will be like a whiteboard where all your potential regrets, boldness regrets, are up on that board. But God, through his word, is just erasing those regrets. <laughs> and you'll be able to finish your race and know, man, I took... Did some things that um, I may get to heaven and the Lord say, will say to us, what were you thinking? And we were like, I was going for it. <laughs> and he'll have us, won't he? He'll have us. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for your grace to Paul, but also your grace to us. And 
be at. Just calling us, not only saving us, but calling us into your service. And just the joy of uh, being able to share your word, point people to you, and the joy of life lived in relationship with you. And so we pray that you would uh, just use your word today to, to stoke our fire to do this, help us to be faithful. Thank you for each person here today, and I pray that you would meet each one of us where we are, and that you would give us what we need. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.